Daniel Marcos is a renowned leadership expert. He is the co-founder with Vern Harnish and CEO of the Growth Institute. They are the premier online executive education platform. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you, George. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. So the story ends that uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. I built my first company in 1998, um, and I built the first fintech in Mexico. Uh, we're the first one to put financial information online, stock trading and everything from the Mexican market. And uh, it was the first financial technology company. People were excited. Uh, we did great in growth of users. There was like there was no one else in the market uh, when we started. So we had a huge growth. And then we merged with an Argentina and a Brazilian company uh, and build uh, a regional player, Operation Nine Countries, 1,200 employees, uh, and then sold it to Banco Santander. Um, but by the way, back there, we sold 753 million. Uh, that in today's world, we'll be around like 3 billion. So we built a unicorn back in 1998. Um, when I was 25, uh, I, I built my company and I left when I was 29. So that gave me a really big platform and understand how to scale businesses very, very young. Uh, we were lucky as hell. You, you can't imagine how lucky we were. As an example, we signed with Santander two days before the peak of the NASDAQ in the bubble of the 2000s. So we, we couldn't be luckier. Uh, and after that, I thought I was a great entrepreneur, drank my own Kool-Aid, uh, moved to the US, opened a mortgage bank uh, for undocumented Hispanics. So I was a subprime of the subprime. And you have to understand what happened in 2007. Um, and, and I went completely under, lost all my money, lost all the money of my investors. Uh, and it was pretty rough. Um, just to give an idea, I gave a, a call to my wife after the meeting with the investors that we decided to shut down. And I said, hey, wait for me. You need to talk. So I came back to the house. We were living in Austin, Texas. So we still live in Austin now, but we're living in Austin. Uh, the meeting was in Dallas. So I drove from Dallas to Austin and came to her and said, hey, so shut down the company. The good news is all investors agree. They shake hands. They sign the documents. There are no lawsuits, no nothing. Uh, but first, I lost all my capital, everything that I made on the first one. Uh, second, uh, there's a million dollars of debt on the operation to close, and I'm responsible for it. So I have a million dollars in debt. Um, the visa that we have, we're from Mexico. It's attached to the company. So no company, no visa. So we have three months to get out of the country and sell the house, get the kids out of school and everything. So you have to imagine the conversation. Um, and it was, it was painful. I was depressed probably six or eight months, waking up crying in my bed and sweating cold. It was, it was not good. It was really a bad, bad moment in my life. Uh, but after that, I said, what happened, right? After such a big success and then a big failure, I questioned myself and I've been reading and digging a lot in trying to figure that out. And I realized that no one really teaches you to be a CEO. Um, and I had the fortune at the moment that I had I had hired Vern to coach me in my first company. So when this happened, Vern said, hey, why don't you coach in Latin America? And I was like, come on, I cannot even be an entrepreneur myself again. How do you want me to coach others? And he said, that's precisely why because you went through such a hard process. They have to make sure it doesn't happen again. So I've been coaching CEOs since then. Um, and being such a high-profile uh, entrepreneur, CEO in Latin America, I've coached some of the biggest companies in the region, uh, family businesses, uh, like the biggest rose company in the world in Ecuador, the biggest sugarcane company in the world in Guatemala. Um, uh, I, I've coached all the big families in Latin America, 
uh, and now of the highest entrepreneurs. I've coached several unicorns in the region. So I've been coaching CEOs for 15 years. And just the perspective on, of seeing thousands of companies every year, just in the Growth Institute, we've implemented scaling up and other methodologies in over 11,000 companies uh, in 10 years. So the perspective that I get just from seeing everyone and talking to all of you guys, I learn more from talking to you than what you guys learn from me. So um, it's been a great run because of that. Um, uh, and of course, we've been able to have huge impact in companies and see through the lens years and years after the impact, not just on me, on hundreds of companies. Um, the other day I went to a conference um, and I, I saw an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur from Mexico. And he came to me and said, hey, I have a gift for you. And he showed me his one-page plan. He said, remember, you coached me five years ago, and I wrote this one-page plan with you five years ago. I missed it for less than 5%. I did everything we wrote five years ago. And it was huge. The company was doing amazing. So those are that, that's, that's the background um, and why I'm here in Growth Institute and do what I do. What a story. It was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. There's still more to come. Yeah, oh, <clears throat> for sure. But you, you, you look like a young guy going from 25 to 29 and you have this blue ocean and you start the company and everything goes awesome and the mortgage deal and the it's Just to give you an idea. Just to give you an idea how hard it was to do a unicorn there. There was no venture capital fund in Mexico or Argentina. Like the only country with venture capital funds in the region, 1998, was Brazil and had like two. That's it. So to do a unicorn with no venture capital is nearly impossible. But not totally impossible. Not totally impossible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what a rewarding thing to have this person come up to you and say, hey, look. We, you coached me five years ago. I <clears throat> I nailed everything within a couple of percentage points, but it worked out exactly like you told me it was going to. So, what's is there a, is is there a secret to the way that you're coaching? What is what is what it what is different that makes it actually so, work? So, we use scaling up as the base of everything we do, plus many other things. If you go to Growth Institute, we have our 120 courses, and probably. 12, 15 mastermind courses. But here's here's the, the, the basics of it. We first help you understand where you want to be in the future. You have to have clear, uh, clear of where you want to be. Um, and I'll give you an example. The other day I get hired by two brothers. Uh, they were they're co-owners of a company. And said, hey, Daniel, I want to do something. My brother wants to do something different. So I want to hire you to tell us who's wrong. And I was like, well, that's kind of aggressive, but let's Let's sit down. So we met in, in a room, and I'm going to make an analogy just to, to play with it, right? So imagine you're in Austin, Texas, and one said, I want to go to the East. And I was like, great. What do you want to do with the other one? And the other one said, I want to go to the West. And I was like, okay. Where do you want to reach? What's your destination? And both said, we want to go to the beach. And I'm like, fine. If you're in Austin, you're going to go to the East. You're going to hit Florida or Georgia. You're going to get to the beach. If you're in Austin, you go to the West, you're going to hit California, you're going to get to the beach. Both of you are right. No, what has to be wrong? And I was like, no, if if, you're, if your objective is just to go to the beach, both of them will take you. So first have 100% clarity of where you want to go. And, and that everything starts there. And once you get it in your mind, like entrepreneurs, we're like a, like a dog that we just hold on to the bone and don't, don't want to let go. 
Now it's when you see the vision. So first, have that clarity of vision. And then have you have the clarity of vision up here. And here you have a lot of habits of execution. And here's where we come with three disciplines of execution scaling up, priorities, KPIs, rhythm of meetings. And we get much more discipline in the day-to-day operation. And then there's two things that kind of uh, propel this. One is cash, growth sucks cash. And we figure out how to make a business that has a, a better cash cycle than the competitors. Because if you want to scale fast, you're going to need cash. And if your, your business cycle or your cash cycle requires a lot of cash, you have a problem. Uh, and the second one is getting the right people. Uh, we always said, if you think hiring an amateur is, it's, uh, sorry, if you hire a professional, it's expensive. Wait until you hire an amateur. So we help design a functional org chart of what the company really needs and then understand what capabilities each position needs to have and then compare to the people that you have today. And people are like, oh my God, like I'm so far away from what I need. Um, and here's kind of the key, the, the way we explain it. Today, imagine you're doing $5 million and you wanted to be doing $20 million in five years. And I say, you're operating today with a mindset tools team of a five or probably even a $4 million company. And you're stretched. That's why you're having so much drama. So my question is, who do you have to become as a CEO, as a leadership team to be able to command a $20 million company? And once they realize, they understand that they have to evolve first, then it's game over, right? But if they have the clarity in the future, now they understand who they have to become and their cash cycle is efficient, you're off to the races. Um, so in the world, let me just put a uh, perspective on this. The economy today is around $90 trillion. When we cross the 2000 Y2K, um, the, the economy was like 21, 22 trillion. Today we're 90 trillion. We're like four and a half times bigger than where we were uh, in the 23 years ago. Um, if you cannot make money in $90 trillion, we have a problem. If you cannot find clients in $90 trillion, we have a problem. Um, and a lot of them have a problem of strategy, 100%. So let's figure out the strategy and don't get in love with the, with the product. Get in love with the problem. So so as an example here, uh, I'll give you an idea. The other day we got an entrepreneur. He said, hey, I see your videos. I want to scale my company 10x. I want you to help me. I was like, great, let's do it. So I told him, what do you want to do? And he said, I have 20 stores that I sell shoes for women. I want 200 stores in the next 10 years. And I was like, yeah, that will 10 your company. I'm sorry, I cannot help you. And the guy said, what do you mean? And I was like, because if I help you get to 200 stores, you're going to go broke faster than you go broke on your own. So I'm not going to help you. And the guy even got offended. Like, what do you mean I'm going to go broke? I'm going to make a lot of money. And I was like, no, you're in love and you're, focus is opening stores. The process of buying shoes is going to change dramatically in the next 10 years. And you're so focused on opening stores that you're not going to see the change of process of buying shoes. People are going to buy shoes online, in catalog. You're going to take a picture with your phone and you're going to 3D print it in a, in a printer next next to you. It's it, There's going to be many other ways to get a shoe. What's not going to change? Women will still want to buy 40 pairs of shoes every five years or whatever. So instead of focusing on opening stores, let's focusing on helping women buy shoes. And when we change the BHAG and we change the long-term objective to an objective of help women buy shoes that help them go 
we held against some uh, quality or something. I don't remember exactly the beehive. Everything changed because now they were not limited to stores, store, 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 store. Now they were completely open. It's like, oh, can I can I sell online and can I do this and can I do this? No, like, yeah. So so it's very small changes that you have to do in the planning and the strategy that change the game completely on how they operate. Should every company scale and grow? Oh, no way. Indeed. Uh, in, in my numbers, just 4% of the company should scale. 90, 96 should not scale. Um, we'll give you quick numbers. In the U.S., um, the U.S. has 32.5 million companies today. Just 6% of the companies of the U.S. do over a million dollars. And really, two do between a million and two. So really just 4% probably do above two or three million. Um, I believe a lifestyle business that has below 15 employees is the best combination of capital and lack of drama and quality of life. And that's why it's called a lifestyle business. Most of us should have a lifestyle business. So I have a model that I teach that I, there's five stages uh, in a scale-up, in every scale-up. For me, stage two is nine, uh, sorry, six to 15, 20 employees. I recommend so many companies to stay on stage two, never go to stage three. Because if you cross the 15, 20, you have to go to 80 to 100. You cannot stay in the middle. You go through a valley of death between 20 and 80 and 100 that if you stay, you want to stay in the middle, you're going to be miserable. Let me tell you what happens. You need to have after 15, 20, you have to build a layer of serious managers or leaders. And that leader needs to have enough employees for it to be worth it to have a leader, right? So for that leader to have enough team and for you to pay the salary of the leader, you need to go to 80 or 100. If not, you don't have enough hands to execute what the leader is designing. So that process takes you between 15, 20 to 80 to 100. So, or stay below 20 or go above 100. And <laughs> by the way, that value of death is so painful and, and your margins get smaller, you lose money, sometimes you have to get investors, loans. It's it's a very, very complicated. You will do that value of death just if you want to do a company that is sellable. If you don't go be if you don't want to sell your company, never go above 80 or 100. Because 80 or 100, it's now you have a company that does have that much risk because it doesn't depend on you. You have a leader that is responsible in each of the important areas. And now your company has a enterprise value and you're going to sell it. So I tell people, or stay below 20 and keep your company for many, many years, or take it above 100 and then sell it for a really good price. I think it's I think it's great that 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 you're so definitive about that. I'm sure that you turn away a lot of people who would be clients of yours by saying that. 100%. But I, I help a lot of stage two to stay on stage two and be very efficient. But I we know exactly if the company has the capability, there's a market or it's not even worth it. Like why I'm going to charge you $200,000 a year, whatever, to, to lie to you and, and get you into more trouble. No way. And here's, here's of course, I'm telling you probably the generals, 85, 90% of the companies that are there, there's always going to be outliers. You're always going to have the Instagram that was sold for 12 billion with 12 employees, right? You're always going to have those. But the bulk of the companies in the world, 
that's how they operate. That's where they are. Of the people that 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 enter into your universe, how many have that crystal clarity on what they want in the future before meeting you? Oh, usually they come with an internal behag, and we help them turn it into an external behag. So they come and said, I want a hundred million dollar company. And I'm like, okay, but that's an internal behag. That's what you want. The only way you're going to get to a hundred million dollar company is you have to give an impact to the world of a hundred million dollar. So what's the impact? And when you change the strategy to the impact, everything changes. So I'll give an example, growth institute. My BHAG, my, my long-term goal is to help uh, 10 million leaders of mid-market companies be able to do two things, scale their impact, do what they do in a bigger way, and reduce their drama in their operation. If I help 10 million leaders like you guys to do that, enough is going to come back to me to get to my number. But but here's the problem. People said, oh, I want a $100 million company. And I was like, but you could never be a $100 million company if you don't add at least $100 million worth of value to the market. So let's get crystal clear on the value you're going to provide, how you're going to help the world, and then we'll see how that impact will translate to $100 million. And then we'll get back to who you have to become, you and your team, to command the $100 million company. And once they have all of that, then it's easier to scale. Or know that, you know what, Daniel is right or he's wrong. I'm, I'm going to stay right where I am and feel figure out how to, you know, because once you so, go through that process. I have a client in the U.S. Um, has six full-time employees, um, like six, six or seven part-times for events and stuff. Um, he does $8.5 million in revenue, nets three million to his pocket. And I've been coaching him for like six years. And he's Daniel, your job is that I don't make a mistake. I, I like my company makes way more than I need. I just need me not to screw it up. So whenever I come with ideas and changes, you said no, 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 you're gonna do anything. But imagine, George, if you could have your company giving you three million a year profit for 10 years, like what else do you need? Right? The guy has the simplest life, no drama, no big uh, expenses, payrolls. <laughs> it's easy. So my job is to convince him not to do changes. And by the way, in six years, two changes we've done to the business, or three. The, the other 97 ideas that he woke up with, they're gone. And he loves it because of that. That's awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can they connect and learn with the Growth Institute? So uh, all the net social networks, Growth Institute, uh, growthinstitute.com, that's where we have uh, uh, all the programs that we teach. Um, the, the, what we're doing today mostly is fixing uh, or building company universities. So let me just finish with this. Everyone says, I want a self-managing company. Every entrepreneur's dream is to have a self-managing company. The problem is we don't have enough capable leaders to be able to run our company. So once you have your strategy and your systems and all that, then you need to fill your company with capable leaders. What we do is we get your team today and make them capable to scale a company. Uh, we teach them how to read financial statements, how to take decisions, how to negotiate, how to hire. The typical things that they don't teach you in college, but it's very, very important that your leaders are able to do to really be able to build a self-managing company. Love it. 
Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Daniel your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to growthinstitute.com and dig deeper into everything that Daniel has been talking about today and so many great resources. Figure out where you're at and the best direction and figure out how to get there and how to stay there once, once you do, in fact, get there. Again, don't, growth. Don't change so many things once once it's working, don't change it. Right, right. Thanks again, Daniel. Thanks, Josh. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.